Hello, my name is Joe Hogan. Many of you know me as Epic Grays in various video games and social media. Happy New Year and welcome to episode 12 of Geektitude, a geek culture podcast that celebrates the inner geek in all of us. Today, I'm ringing in the new year with my friend Ray Vargas, who you know from multiple episodes by now. How you doing, Ray? Great. How's it going, Joe? It's going well. It's going well. Interview is on episode one, so if you want to get to know Ray, uh, go ahead and, and go back and listen to episode one. But uh, we're going to jump right into what we did this week that was geeky, because we got a lot of stuff to cover today. Yeah. Uh, how about you? What did you do this week that was kind of taking care of your geek-titude? Um, well, taking advantage of the fact that I'm on vacation this week, as I'm sure many people are, um, I try to catch up on my Netflix watching, uh, because I tend to do that. You know, during the normal time of year, I guess, um, I tend to try to catch up here and there. I'll catch an episode, you know, right after work while I'm eating dinner or something, and then I've got stuff to do. So being on vacation, I thought, great, I'm going to get to catch up and finish these shows and figure out what I'm going to be watching next. Um, so I sat down to finish watching Jessica Jones, um, and I've got to say, it's, I'm, I'm struggling a bit to finish that show, and I, I'm surprised by that, uh, you know, thinking about how much I liked it to start. Mm-hmm. What is it about it that's uh, kind of tripping you up? Um, you know, I think the first half of this run, I'm not, how many episodes are there? Do you know? You 13. 13. Okay, so I'm about episode 10, 11 right now on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the first half of this season, it feels weird calling it a season because we can just watch it all at once. But right, the right, first right. half of this season, I feel like had a different feel to it where it was more about her and about kind of like this, this this web of characters that they were introducing. And then the second half, like really deep dove into her and Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. But then it sort of became a show about Kilgrave and about at least that's what it feels like right now. I haven't finished it. Um, And, and about about Kilgrave and and about how what Jessica is going to do about Kilgrave. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a great character. Um, I don't watch Doctor Who, but um, I, I'm aware of David Tennant, right? Is that his name? Yeah. And and so I, I thought it was cool that they chose, you know, that actor to play this character, which is, you know, I think it caught, from what I read, it kind of caught people off guard that they would uh, pick him for this for this type of, of role. But yeah. I think he's, I mean, he's doing great. It's just the story. I don't know. It, it Every episode feels like a new um, therapy session for Kilgrave <laughs> at this point. Yeah. Well, and it also, I, I do, I do agree. I think it ended, I think it ends strong. Okay. But I do think that the last couple of, I, this is one that I think they probably could have done in eight to 10 episodes. And I feel around where you're at, they do kind of. It feels very repetitive in – these aren't real spoilers, though, I don't think. It, it feels kind of like she gets him in a trap and he escapes. She gets him in a trap and he escapes. Like it doesn't feel like it's – It's even slower um, than that. It feels like she gets him in a trap. That's that episode. The next episode, he escapes or he's in the trap. And then he escapes, and then the next episode, she gets him in a trap. It's like, it does, you're right, I think you're you're right on with it about being, you know, it could have been a few less episodes. Yeah, and and again, this is kind of my, my whole thing. I wish we would go to a more British format for our shows and just produce a series and do it in the number of episodes that, you know, that tell the story. Right, right, yeah. Um, well, another geeky thing that I did... Um, 
this week was uh, I'm, I'm so I'm so I'm finishing up my studio. I don't know if if uh, I mentioned this before, but I recently moved, and so mm-hmm. uh, because I got a new job, and so um, I'm setting up my art studio because you know I'm an artist and I need a place to paint. And I had it all set up in my previous spot and and or my previous home, and now I have a new home, and it's just taking me a while to get it situated so that I can start producing artwork again. And so that was another main focus of mine this week was to you know get that studio dialed, and it's it's pretty close. Um, I got a couple more days to finish it up, so I'm looking forward to that. But while I've been doing that, I've been catching up on my Rachel and Miles podcast. Oh, nice! Oh, so much fun! That is just, that is just pure joy, like. It is. I spent the other day, I might have spent 14 hours in my studio just putting up shelving and reorganizing things and moving things around, you know, with my power tools and my Rachel and Miles. I mean, I was so happy. I had to force myself to stop to eat a couple times. <laughs> so I actually blew through like, yeah, I mean, I am pretty far behind, uh, but I, I blew through like three or four episodes, like just easily, easily back to back to back. Um, and so I'm catching up with that. Uh, but one of the other things I was listening to was uh, Mark Maron's uh, podcast, WTF. I'm listening to his WTF podcast, and uh, I just recently listened to an interview with Jason Bateman, and he's talking about Arrested Development and uh, how that show was supposed to, you know, come back on Netflix, and it was supposed to be in three parts. But the way Netflix uh, promoted it was as season four. Because they only got through three seasons before it was canceled, right? And there was that all right. that hoopla about trying to keep it alive. Um, and so Netflix, uh, uh, you know, when they struck that deal and were producing episodes to stream, um, they called it season four. And he he kind of clarified that in the interview. Uh, he's like, that wasn't season four. We were actually going for a more British style where it was like three parts, like you know, a, a, a three mini series sort of telling this this arc or this story. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but I think it threw people off because they, they you know, advertised it as season four. People went in thinking, oh, it's a direct continuation. And then they did that season, and then now there's no plans to really finish the other two. So, Well, that's kind of a bummer. Yeah, right? I mean, that's it's talk about, like, you know, what a tease. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really hard when they are not – it's hard to see series that you like that just don't finish. Yeah, I can't – And there, there's something very disappointing about that. I feel like – uh, and I'm not again. I'm not like a big um, Firefly fan or, or or Josh Whedon television file. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely sense that there was a great disturbance <laughs> when, <laughs> when that show was canceled. And you know, every I feel like every time I talk to someone who's into Josh Whedon television, that you know Firefly slash Serendipity comes up. Is it Serendipity? Uh, Serenity. Serenity. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get you're gonna get like, hate tweets I, i've got like five friends right now that are writing an angry email as as we speak right now. <laughs> well very cool anything anything else oh man no i've got a stack of books that i'm trying to get to read but it's consuming too much too much you know easier media to consume which is like podcasts and watching television so right. yeah very cool. Um, I we just finished Jessica Jones last night, and and like I said, it was um, you know I thought it finished strong, but I think it probably could have been two or three episodes shorter, and it would have been perfectly fine. Interesting. Uh, so we did that. We started a new series that I guess was a summer broadcast for the Sci-Fi Channel, and it's called Dark Matter. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, it was really good. It's about uh, these six people who wake up on a spaceship and they don't know who they are or what they're doing there or what's going on. 
and it's kind of a little bit lighter than what we normally watch, which is nice for my husband because he feels like we're kind of mired in very dark television right now. <laughs> and uh, but it's still, you know, kind of gritty enough for me to to enjoy it and not feel like it's just fluff. <laughs> right. So you know, it's a it's a good compromise, and and we're we're kind of zipping through that and looking forward to getting through the first season and getting that ready for next season. I feel like you're gonna. You're, you alone are going to force me to consider some um, sci-fi channel programming because I think we've talked about this before. I kind of just in my head, sci-fi channel has become, you know, the B minus kind of like you know, Mansquito and uh, and Sharknado. Yeah, yeah, like really, and not only that, but every you know Marvel knockoff you could think of, you know, like Thor, like they have some Norse god, like you know, made for television movie. On Sci-Fi right. Channel, a week after the new Thor movie opens or whatever, um, but but you've mentioned before watching a, and enjoying a couple of uh, uh, shows on that channel, so I feel like just from the power of our conversations, I'm I'm suddenly like interested in. Huh, I wonder what Sci-Fi Channel's got going on. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't invest too much. <laughs> my my thing is 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 it was recommended by a friend, and I don't we didn't even want we watched it on Netflix, so we didn't even think of it as a Sci-Fi Channel. Right show but as soon as it started i was like okay this is a sci because it just has that look like i'm pretty sure they use the same sets for all of their programming <laughs> that's great the same van eyes backlot yeah exactly exactly in fact my husband was like why is every spaceship in every tv show kind of this weird octagonal hallway <laughs> that's such a great that's such a great observation because it's so true yeah, and so you know, it definitely looks like a sci-fi series. It, it has the, you know, even even the characters all look the same. Well, <laughs> like they all have they ha all have kind of the pretty boy with the dark hair, and and kind of the rectangular face. They have the kind of tougher looking guy with the light brown hair. Oh, like it's always uh, the same com combination of guys. <laughs> this is great. Oh, what was uh, the other show that you that you watched that you you actually I think you really recommended the last show that you. I think it was Alphas. Was Alphas yeah, sci-fi? Yeah, it was Alphas, yeah. Yeah, and and I still haven't watched the last episode of that because I know it's a cliffhanger and it's kind of like, what's the point? Oh, uh, yeah, no. Because it got canceled. I mean. Dang, get another one canceled. This is, hopefully this year will be the year of, um, you know, our, our favorite shows making it and finding, you know, their audience. Yeah, we have to be we have to be better about watching anything that we hear is good as soon as we hear it's good as opposed to go, oh, I'll get it later when it gets on Netflix. Oh wow, so true. That's so, that's so true. That you know what? I'm totally guilty of that. That's a good point. And then the other thing that uh I spent a lot of time this this week doing is uh we were in San Diego visiting my brother for Christmas and kind of when we had some downtime in the hotel room, I started getting through a lot of the the prelude to Secret Wars, I realize I'm like six or eight months behind everybody else. But um, I'm reading all of the Avengers issues and uh, Infinity issues leading up to the whole Secret Wars reboot. Okay, wait, which, wait. I, sorry, Secret Wars reboot? Oh, yeah. The whole Marvel Universe, as far as I understand, is completely rebooted. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm kind of glad I don't really read comics on a regular basis anymore. That sounds like what? That sounds like a lot. That just that sounds like a massive story. Like, wait, so all of Marvel Universe is rebooted? 
So my understanding is is that all the universes, all the multiverses in the Marvel universe get squished together in one battle world. And so you have a world that is, you know, the 1993 Marvel X-Men TV series kind of universe and then you have the, you know, 20 20- 99 universe and you have the ultimates universe and you have all of this and so they kind of just squished it all together how how close was marvel to going full-on dc multiverse i uh, they they had so many different properties in so many different universes and then you know with x-men just the continuity problems that those are my understanding is they all got squished together so that when it got unsquished what we were left with was what everybody's favorite stuff was. I know you're a Marvel guy, so I'm just going to keep putting this into DC terms just to get under your skin. But so mm-hmm. what you're saying is they did the Crisis on Infinite Earths thing. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure. Like, I don't know Crisis because, again, I'm Marvel, not DC. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, my, my understanding is, is they finally kind of did that to kind of consolidate their... Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, did Spider-Girl die? No, I'm just kidding. That's a Crisis reference. Never mind. Um, <laughs> so um okay so they they've done that yes and now, and i think they're just starting to come out of that and the new year is going to be all the new relaunches of the different things is spider-man a teenager again in high school uh, t- uh my understanding is spider-man is no longer peter parker oh hey that's kind of how long is this supposed to last well uh, this is this is it they, they. My understanding is, is they are moving towards a more diverse, more integrated reality. So, you know, the Falcon is Captain America. Right. Um, no more. You know, not that he wasn't formerly the Falcon, but now he is fully like he is Captain America. Wow. And um, I think it's Miles Morales is Spider-Man. I know the Incredible Hulk is Asian. That's right. Um, That's right. Yeah. You know, they're not they're they're kind of moving everything forward. They're not destroying everything that you knew about the Marvel Universe. They're just kind of letting the next generation pick up a lot of the characters. This is actually wow, like Bravo Marvel. I hope they stick to this. I hope it works. I hope I hope, you know, the the fandom uh embraces it and supports mm-hmm. it. Sounds great. Yeah, I think I think the people that have been waiting for it are very excited about it. And the people who are upset about it are starting to realize that they're now living in 2016 and <laughs> they need to get used to yeah. a diverse world. Yeah. Plus, do you, how much do you feel that um, as a geek, how much do you feel that uh, media now that, you know, film and everything has become so huge for, for this genre, I guess, I don't know, for, for comic books and comic book characters or whatnot, how much do you feel now that that is what's directly influencing the comic books? You know, um, I think it's just they realize that their their audience is no longer young adolescent white males. Like I think that's that 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 is finally dawning on them. They're realizing that if they make I I I don't know that it's just because you know geekdom has become such a mainstream thing i think it's that they realize that the audience that they've been writing for is a lot more diverse than they gave it credit right right and i i didn't mean i think i worded that wrong i didn't mean that you know the movies the storylines in the movies are are 
affecting or dictating what the comics do. I mean, the audience that is being drawn in by the movies. Yeah, no, that's what I, yeah, no, I, I, that's kind of where I was going with it. I, I think, I don't think it was just because it was, they're drawing in a diverse audience. I think they had a diverse audience. Yeah. And and they're starting to realize that they're not going to scare that audience away by not pandering to young, straight, adolescent, white males. Right, right. And and so that leads us to um, this reboot of Secret Wars, because now that the whole universe has been condensed and, and restarted, they get to tell these major stories over again, right? Um, I don't know that they're going to retell stories. I think the stories that have existed are existing. I think they're going to now find stories with these new characters going forward. Because that, that, I hope so, because that is my main fear. That, you know, when you said, you know, they rebooted it, uh, it just seems to me like, you know, isn't it funny how, how, you know, when Chris Claremont is, is kicking but on X-Men in his first run, and he's just coming out with these, like, characters, like, amazing characters, like, you know, month after month, and these great storylines, and then when, you know, that writer leaves, then for the next two decades, we get, like, you know, villain of the week, a villain of the month kind of thing, where it's like, remember that great character, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to, like, you know, let's come up with some new stuff, or let's, and, and I've, and to be fair, I have, you know, read runs where, where, a writer will try to come up with something new and it just, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't take. And I don't know if that speaks to the quality of that particular story or if it just, or if it speaks more to the unwillingness of the audience to like embrace something new. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's what everybody was concerned about with the star Wars movie is, you know, you want that familiarity, but you also want something new and different. And, where do you find that balance? I think J.J. Abrams found the balance, but I, I think that there's only so many times that you can relive the Phoenix Saga. Exactly. There's only so many times that you can relive the, you know, the death of Gwen Stacy. Exactly. There's only so many times that you can tell the friggin' Fantastic Four origin story. We get it. They got irradiated in space. Move on. Yeah, how many times are they going to, you know, have to battle the same villain or, or whatever? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, before the story kind of progresses. Exactly, yeah. I mean, I think that's what I loved about Daredevil, which we're going to talk about a little bit later, but it was the idea that, you know, we're we're getting kind of a, a new take on his major villain as opposed to just throwing the villain out there and going, he's a bad guy. <laughs> right. How many times has Electra died and been reborn again? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I'm sure we're going to get a little bit of, of that as we're moving forward because, you know, Daredevil, as far as television and movies is concerned, is relatively unused. And when it was used, we kind of just try and forget about it. But, um, but you know, so there, you know, those t- stories haven't been retold over and over again in the movies. Exactly. But if sure. they ever do anything again with Fantastic Four or Spider-Man, please do not give us an origin story. Right, right. We don't need one. How interesting that, you know, people who pine for the days of Steve Rogers and Bruce Banner uh, will have the movie universe to follow those characters in and the comics will be a more diverse, you know, kind of interesting population. Well, and I think, again, as they start to realize that the stories they're telling in the book now are really good, it's going to start creeping its way into 
the television and movies. Interesting. Wow. Yeah, that would be fascinating. Yeah, I I, I think because I mean, <laughs> you have the simple fact that you're not going to be able to keep uh, Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> in armor in armor for forever. You know, eventually you're going to have to pass the torch yeah. and. Yeah. And I think that gives you the opportunity to say, well, we've had Steve Rogers as Captain America. Now it's time to pass it on to somebody else. Now the movie universe is moving towards Secret Wars. So, or, or, mm-hmm. or yeah, the Infinity Gauntlet story, right? Well, yeah, to, to the Infinity Wars. Infinity Wars so, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, so this is also the comic books opportunity to kind of prime the audience for what to expect in the in the movies. Yeah, and I and I think they're gonna move towards the more diverse world. I th- I, mean, I mean, a lot of people were saying that the new Spider-Man should be um, Miles Morales and shouldn't be Peter Parker. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And then they they signed Tom Holland. I think I might have butchered his name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is. It'll be Peter Parker, which I'm I'm okay with. I'm okay if you're gonna do the original character. That's that's one of the big things with um, Iron Fist right now. Is like, is it gonna be? An Asian guy? Is it going to be a blonde guy? Yeah. Is it going to be, you know, the, I, I have, uh, I think, uh, David Gallagher, who was on a couple episodes ago, posted on one of our forums that was like, you know, why not a woman Iron Fist? Why not a African-American Iron Fist? You yeah. know, it could be anything. Yeah. But I also don't have a problem with it being what the character originally was, as long as you're okay moving the characters forward from there. Right. Yeah, I was actually um, really more than satisfied um, with the way they handled Luke Cage, which is like a you know black exploitation character. I mean, from the '70s for Marvel, mm-hmm. um, and he's one of, if not my favorite character from the Jessica Jones series. You know what? What the few episodes he's been featured or whatnot. You know? Yeah, I can't wait until his series. Yeah, exactly. And- <laughs> I don't know if you followed him at all in, in comic books, but he actually led the Avengers for a Yeah, while. yeah, it's Power Man, right? Uh, no, as Luke Cage. Like, at some point, they made the transition over, and they were like, okay, you know, he was this kind of character that <laughs> is cringeworthy, yes. and now we're making him something that's, you know, more realistic and more modern oh, and... Yeah, no, he's a great character. That, and was that Bendis is doing? Because I, I did read... um. Alias, the Alias comic, and that was the last time that I read Luke Cage in the comics. You know, I don't, I don't remember. I don't know who okay. switched it over because I think because he was in Heroes for Hire for a while, yeah, that's right. and and they kind of started pulling him away from you know the the cringeworthiness. Yeah, but uh, you know he's he's married with a kid. Wow, in in the comic books, so yeah, he's I I love that character and I love how they how they um portray him in the show so i'm you know that kind of eased my concerns a little bit about iron fist i'm like okay you know they 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 it looks like they're getting it like they understand you know with the tone and and kind of you know the the way that these characters it's like they know how the characters are, are will work best mm-hmm. you know marvel's really great at that yeah and as long as they capture the bromance between luke cage and uh danny rand <laughs> we're, we're all good <laughs> that's great because I mean that's the best thing about that, um, you know. I, I remember reading a, a relaunch of Heroes for Hire, and they were trying to find some big crime boss, and uh, it ended up being a, a dragon that was hoarding all this money. He was a dragon that looked like a, you know, he made himself look like a person, 
And I was like, okay, that's kind of a cool concept because you always in fantasy hear about the dragons, that's, you know, yeah. their big gold hordes. That's well, Tolkien was... kind of callback. That's cool. Yeah, exactly. And, and but you know, as they're fighting this guy, it's just kind of a little quip and back and forth, and you know, the characters just kind of have fun being around each other. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know, you've got dark Daredevil, dark and gritty Jessica Jones. It's like, when you start introducing these two characters to one another, please make sure that they're having a good time with what they're doing. That is some of the, like, the most pleasurable comics reading is when you've got, uh, you know, characters that just are, like, enjoying being around each other and just, like, having fun while they're doing what they do, you know? Mm -hmm. That's, that's Mm -hmm. like, the best when you stumble upon that story finally, you know? Well, and I'm I'm it's so funny because I'm I'm so far behind in in Marvel continuity, and I'm trying to get up to where the Secret Wars launch, and apparently this has been building for like years. So I've gone back and I'm reading, and Spider Man's a real jerk, and I'm like, okay, is this Peter Parker? Is this Miles Morales? <laughs> um, apparently, it's Doctor Octopus in Spider Man's body. <laughs> And all of a sudden it makes sense and I don't mind the character, but I'm reading it. I'm like, I don't understand. It's like there's nothing positive about Spider-Man. So if this is Miles Morales, because I haven't read anything with Miles Morales, Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm like, if this is Miles Morales, why do people like him so No, it was it was some story where Dr. Octopus switches bodies yeah, with consciousness. Yeah, I heard about that storyline as well, yeah. But it just—it just makes it makes more like all of a sudden I was like, oh, okay. I there you it. go, Joe. You got what you wanted. Accurate characterization. <laughs> Finally. Well, very good. Well, we have already riffed on just everything. Um, <laughs> but our whole purpose today was to kind of look back at what we liked and what we hated about uh, 2015 and uh, what we're looking forward to and excited about or or dreading in 2016 and so are there any things you'd like to start with ray things you'd like to talk about that you particularly liked about 2015 um, yeah and and just piggybacking off of some of the stuff we talked about that's kind of uh, related um daredevil the show um is something that i loved uh in 2015 uh and it's funny though again i have to say and still this is still something i really enjoyed i mean make no mistake i'm enjoying jessica jones i'm just surprised at you know um how how slow the storyline has gotten towards the end here, um, but you did <laughs> say that it ends strong, um, and you know what that that mimics kind of my um, experience with Daredevil as well. I I mean, wow, we burned through those episodes maybe in a matter of three or four days, uh, which mm-hmm. is fast for me because I always have so much stuff going on. Um, right, right. And so first half amazing, and then kind of as it got towards the end, it was a, felt a little bit like it slowed down a bit. Um, and then for for me, Daredevil, um, my my least favorite episode of the whole se- uh, season was probably the last one, um, which I felt was the episode that finally like embraced the like comic book superhero aspect of the sto- of the character. But I just mm-hmm. felt like they did such a good job with the with the gritty like noir stuff, you know, elements the 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 the. the, the detective aspect of it, I guess, or the, or the, you know, procedural aspect of it, I should say, um, that, yeah, I felt a little bit like, like the, the superhero stuff at the very end felt a little flat. Um, but that being said, I mean, wow, what a great three or four days. I was so excited <laughs> every day and to, you know, put on a new episode and to like watch way too many, you know, <laughs> in a row before I realized I had to sleep. Um, so yeah, that, that was a highlight for me. 
Very cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed Daredevil, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the you know to Luke Cage and Iron Fist, and then um, they're doing another 2016. We're gonna have another Daredevil. Right. Right. And we're gonna get, we're we're working up to Secret Defenders, and that's I think that's what I'm gonna look forward to. I I've enjoyed everything up till this point, but to me, I want to see how they take this very solo we're loners we do it by ourselves and how they turned it into something more team oriented no they were just called the defenders in the comics right um yeah and i don't even know that this group of characters were the defenders right I was... I, and no and you know what there was there was secret defenders i don't know what the difference between defenders and secret defenders are okay. um that's kind of on the the fringe of my marvel knowledge <laughs> but um my understanding is the defenders were like Iceman, Angel, and Beast with, like, Valkyrie and, you know, Son of the Devil and the Gargoyle and just these weird random yeah. kind of Doctor Strange type I was, characters. I, was think, I think this is a totally different group. Um, I hope hopefully this falls within your range of Marvel knowledge, but I always thought it was, like, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and, like, Doctor Strange and, like, Daredevil. That was that was the lineup that I remember from the '90s from when I was a kid. It may have changed multiple times. I always remember like the Defenders. I always associated with Doctor Strange. Like for yeah. some reason, yeah. he seemed to always show up. <laughs> yeah, pull everyone in to the eye. Yes. Um. So that I mean that is the plan, right? Uh. Uh. To to set up all these characters for the, the Secret Defenders on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Daredevil really did a lot of setting up things that you knew were going to kind of be expanded on later. And mm-hmm. I don't feel like Jessica Jones has done that as much. Not, not, you know, I don't feel like that's a negative to the show, but I feel like it's been much more contained. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't finished the last couple episodes. So, you know, I, no spoilers, but um, yeah, I feel like it's been more centered on her and her story as opposed to Daredevil. I mean, while it did tell a you know, a Daredevil centric story, it just felt like it hinted at this huge world, you know, beyond what was, we were seeing. Yeah, I I I kind of agree on that. Just because the the bad guys were much more there, there was much larger pool of bad guys that they were pulling from. Where this one's very much Jessica versus Kilgrave. Right, right, yeah. You know, and it does set up um, Luke Cage and gets that character in, but I don't think it. I would agree, it doesn't expand on the universe so much as just kind of introduce this character. But I don't know that you the, the the problem with Kilgrave as a character, I mean, and you see this with um with her ensemble is she can't really she's the only one who can go up against him. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to have that that group surrounding her, but it does it does set up um the character of Nuke, which I don't know much about, but that's the the cop character. Oh, right. Yeah, I knew he's going to be somebody. I knew like yeah. Yeah, as I've been watching, I'm like, oh, okay, this is another, like, his storyline really got interesting for a couple episodes where I was like, oh, they're doing more with him than what, I thought he was more like a, kind of a function, you know, of the plot, mm-hmm. but no, pretty quickly it, it it was apparent that he's his own character, I mean, they're they're doing something with him. Yeah, and Trish is going to eventually, should eventually become Hellcat. Oh, interesting. Wow, this is awesome. See? This... Yeah. So, so there are some people that are being introduced. Um... And then in season two of Daredevil, we're getting the Punisher, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Punisher and Electra. And Electra, okay, awesome. So, did, wait, did we get? It's been a while. Did, did we get Bullseye in, in 
season one? Mm, I, I don't think no, so. No, I don't think we did. No, which is fine, because didn't we get him in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not speak about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, just for our own reference, um, the new Defenders were Doctor Strange, the Silver Surfer, the Hulk, and Namor. Oh, I only got one of those. Okay. The Return of the Defenders, I think, was the same group. And then the Secret Defenders was you were right it was wolverine dark hawk spider woman spider-man hulk ghost rider and others all right <laughs> that's the one i remember then they had hellcat nighthawk and valkyrie this now this is going into the that vat of characters that you're talking about yeah and then um son of satan she hulk krang nighthawk God bless that writer. Who's, who's... <laughs> well? Because every time it changes, the every time the writer changes, everybody everybody changes on it. It's just, I'm just imagining the writer who was who was using these characters and building a story around these characters. Well, I think I think if I remember correctly, this was kind of like what they did with the Marvel team ups. They just instead of calling it Marvel team ups, where it would be this character and that character doing something, and it usually was Spider Man plus somebody else. Yeah. I think it was kind of like, all right, let's try and make this a an ongoing team with a relatively rotating cast. Right, right. Let's call it the Defenders. So, so I don't. I still don't know. Back in the nineties, they when and maybe that I'm answering my own question because <laughs> the nineties had plenty that we don't want to go back to, but. I feel like this is the group that they would have had, and like they should either do this as Heroes for Hire or they should do it as Marvel Knights because that was like the very dark, gritty kind of street level Marvel superhero group. I forgot about Marvel Knights. That was like the beginning of the resurgence of Daredevil. Yeah, and yeah. a Punisher misfire. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you remember that Punisher? Which Punisher was that? A whole like ha- like like segment on the Punisher from the Marvel Knights. That was where he was this supernatural Avenger, and like he came back and he had these like angelic symbols like like embedded in his skin, and like he shot this like glowing gun. <laughs> Do you remember that? So very Ghost Rider like. Oh my God! Like yeah, but it was the Punisher. I remember people being, "What is going on?" <laughs> You <laughs> had to like apologize for it or something like, okay, sorry, that's not Frank Castle. No, like I remember that. <laughs> but they did, they did a great job with Daredevil. <laughs> yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's why they're not like we're not going to go back there. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, exactly. Um, what else went on this year? There's so much. Yeah, there's so much. Let's talk movies. Okay. Um. Did you see Mission Impossible? I did see Mission Impossible. Wait, the the last one, right? Yeah, Rogue Nation. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was pretty good. I was I was very happy because there was a time where anytime somebody mentioned Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, I would just scowl. Why? Because okay, the first few movies, Mission Impossible is not about Tom Cruise. <laughs> Mission Impossible is about a group of people working together to do something cool and spy like. And so <laughs> Tom when, Cruise running. Yeah, I don't want to see Tom Cruise running for two hours in a Mission Impossible movie. There are plenty of other movies that he does that in. <laughs> but I feel like the last two or three Mission Impossible movies, they're like, OK, let's go back to Mission Impossible roots right. and give them a team of people that are working. Because that's that's the fun spy genre of, yeah. you know, that that whole Ocean's Eleven feel of 
we're going to break in and we're going to do what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's the, I don't know if it was three or four, but the one that Brad Bird directed was what kind of righted the ship in terms of what you're speaking about. Yeah. I think once he made his and everyone saw, oh, okay, this works and it's fun. And, you know, um, I think that's kind of the template that, you know, the, the subsequent movies have kind of uh, tried to follow or emulate. Mm-hmm. Um, even though, you know, come on, John Woo did, <laughs> did what you, <laughs> you know, you got the doves. You don't miss the doves, Joe. You don't miss. I don't miss the doves. <laughs> yeah. No, Mission Impossible is great. I, and it's, it's gotten to the point now where, you know, I, I was excited to go see it cause it was going to be just a fun thing. I was going to go and watch them do, you know, some cool spy stuff and it wasn't going to be too heavy, but it was going to be well executed. Got my popcorn, my drink, and it was exactly what I what I wanted. Yeah, yeah, no, and and that's you know sometimes you need that, especially with some of the movies we got. This year. It's funny though that like the last one, the, the one before the one that just came out this year, um, was setting up Jeremy Renner to like take over that franchise, and mm-hmm. it did so well that Tom Cruise said, "Nah, no thanks." <laughs> Jared, poor Jeremy Renner, right? Because the same thing happened to him with the Born Supremacy. Yeah, because that, there's a newborn, uh, a new uh, born movie coming with out Matt in Damon. 2016, yeah. and it's Matt Damon again. Poor Jeremy Renner, poor Hawkeye. Oh, <laughs> uh, have you seen him? That's another the wonderful thing Hawkeye. that happened this year. He's the perfect Hawkeye. <laughs> he is the perfect Hawkeye. He will always be second string to whoever the big name is. Great. Um, but have you seen him talk about like there's there's him singing I I don't know what late night show it was on, but he's singing about how he's Hawkeye and he's got special powers too. Yeah, I did watch that. Yeah. Such an amazing amazing video. <laughs> oh wow, they cast the perfect Hawkeye in life and in the movies. It's great. <laughs> All right, anybody listening to this, poor Jeremy hashtag poor Jeremy Renner. That needs to be a thing for 2016. <laughs> Oh man. Um there was also as far as the spy genre goes, there was Kingsman. Did you see Kingsman? I did see Kingsman. Yeah. Did you like that? Did you I loved it. I thought it was weird and quirky and disturbing and amazing all at once. I, I feel like I waited too long to watch it. Because that's all I've heard is people saying I loved it. You need to watch it. And then I read a couple of reviews that were like, Kingsman is great. And I'm like, wow. So when I finally got around to watching it, I'm like, kind of, I was expecting the the quirk and the great, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think it delivered on that. And I was like, cool. It delivered on what I I expected. As opposed to like, if I had seen it when it first came out, if I had gone to the theater and supported it like I'm supposed to do, um, I probably would have liked it a lot more. Yeah, it's, I, I try very hard to avoid the hype because it's just, I don't know that it, yeah, it's good for my moving view movie viewing experience. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Um, before we move into some of the bigger stuff, uh, did you see Ex Machina? No, but you know what? That's I'm I'm kind of kicking myself right now for having missed that because I, I so I'm I'm a snob, admitted. No, I <laughs> totally am, and so um, I'm very um, discerning with what I spend my time on and and what I even give a chance, you know. And I feel like that does two things. One, you know, I I I really do feel like I'm I benefit from really catching the best of the best stuff. I don't have mm-hmm. time to, you know, kind of you you are a great resource for me because you will try <laughs> things out, you know, and mm-hmm. then you will recommend or not based on your experience. 
And that's wonderful for me because I don't have time to do that. So, I mean, no, I know I, I've been talking a lot about not having time, having a ton of stuff going on. But let me tell you guys, being an artist, <laughs> a career out of painting is not easy. You know, it takes, it takes a lot. It's a very time-consuming uh, career choice. Exactly. So, you know, um, I, I tend to just gravitate towards what I hear about being the best of the best stuff. Um, unfortunately, that also means that I miss out on stuff sometimes. And so every now and then I'll, you know, watch a movie going, God, this is like two years old. And I'm going, everybody, this is amazing. And it's like, yeah, Ray. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we knew about exactly. that. Exactly. So catch up. Ex Machina is one of those things where I first I saw – you know, the trailers, and I thought, ugh, that looks a little bit uh, like a cliche. Like, how many times are they going to tell the story about AI? Like, really? Come on. Um, and then it just kind of came and went, and it's showing up on all these, like, best of the year, like, year-end pieces. And I'm going, wait, wait, wait. We all agreed it would be cliche, guys. Like, what's, what's going on, you know? <laughs> well, my big thing is, is it was not a comfortable movie to watch. Like, the characters do a really good job of uh, – I'm trying to remember the name of the, the actor. He's a very famous actor, and he he just creeps me out through the entirety of the the film. Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac's character creeps Oh, my God. Okay, I was going to guess Oscar Isaac, but then I thought, no, he knows Poe. Like, come on. Yeah, no, I just like the I'm I'm terrible with names and I'm like what is the guy's name? What is the guy's name? I'm like seriously yeah. Poe? Like what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love he, Oscar but, Isaac. Tell me about how Oscar Isaac makes you feel, Joe. He in this movie he is so good at what his character is supposed to be that it's uncomfortable to watch. Oh, okay. Like you're so he's so unstable and he's so weird and you don't know what is going on that I feel like you really experience what the protagonist's emotions are because the protagonist kind of thrown into the situation where he's not quite sure what the whole idea is and he's there for a reason, but it's not exactly clear what. And then Oscar Isaac walks in and he's like, hey, how's it going? I'm a cool guy that you want to hang out with, but at the same time, I'll cut you if you betray me. And you're just like, he's that drunk guy at the party that you're just kind of watching out of the corner of your eye because he's fun now, but he could turn at any moment. Oh my God, I know that guy. Yeah, and so it's like I remember sitting that that tension through the entire movie of, oh my God, what is he going to do next? I I love Oscar Isaac. So what you're saying is that he did such a great job. <laughs> oh, he did an amazing that job. That it made you uncomfortable. That's great. Uh, oh yeah. No, I was I was hugely uncomfortable through the entire movie. So here's what happened with Ex Machina. This is why I missed it. Okay. So I confused Alex Proyas with Alex Garland. And so when they said, "Yeah, Alex Garland made this movie." And I'm like, "Oh, it looks like a cliche." And also I wasn't into uh, Dark World. That's Alex Proyas. Okay, Alex Garland has written some movies that I really enjoy. Actually, Twenty Eight Days Later, Sunshine, Dread. So once I found that, once it started popping up on all these best of the year lists, and I did my proper Google search and looked up Alex Garland and saw that he was this writer, I was like, oh, no wonder. If I had you know gotten the name right and actually knew that it was the the writer of these movies that I like, I probably would have checked it out. 
So yeah. I, I'm just too quick to, um, and I fully, you know, admit this. I'm too quick to to uh, disregard things sometimes. You know, where I'm just like, ah, I'll catch up to it if it turns out to be great, but I'm not gonna give it a shot right now. Yeah. So it's on the list. No, you've been having, um, you have been having Mad Max streams. <laughs> yes, I have. So I watched this really great but really dry two-hour. Uh, it's not a documentary, honestly. Somebody just filmed a talk, so hence dry. Um, mm-hmm. But the um, the director of photography for Mad Max, uh, Fury Road, gave this talk, this panel, where he described the whole process of how they made the movie. The cameras they built and ended up not using, um, how they had to make adjustments for 3D, uh, it, it was really interesting to me. And again, like I said, I spent 14 hours of the day setting up my studio. So I <laughs> got up with my Rachel and Miles a bit, you know, listened to some WTF podcast by Mark Marin. Also listened to this really cool talk about Mad Max and how it was made. And it really is just him on a stage talking with like a PowerPoint behind him. So I didn't really feel the need to sit there and watch it, but I listened to it. Um, mm-hmm. And something happened because <laughs> it got in my head. It, I guess it's, you know, when you're hearing someone tell a story, you have to come up with the visuals yourself. And right. so I think listening to him, it wasn't like I was listening to the movie in the background. Because I do that plenty. When I'm painting, I love putting on a movie that I've seen already. Because I can listen to it and just remember the imagery in my head. You know, I'm a very visual person. So, right. um, But imagine someone talking about the movie that you've seen. And I think that combined with my, my, you know, having seen the movie uh, uh, when it first came out a couple of times, uh, my my dreams the last couple of nights have been like this odd mashup of like me in this like post-apocalyptic desert world with a camera. Like, it's <laughs> really odd. Like, I don't know who I'm supposed to be in that scenario, but... Yeah, it's. I feel like I'm gonna have to um, give it a watch in the next couple of days. Uh, you know, a proper viewing again in order to kind of like. I think my brain's telling me like, "Hey, you, you, you owe that film another viewing." You have you have some unresolved uh, moments that you need to yeah. to get in. That that movie was definitely. I mean, just connected to what we're talking about, uh, so that we're not completely rambling. Um, that movie is definitely a highlight for me this year. Uh, I went and saw it two maybe three times in the theater i saw it um imax 3d which was amazing and i'm one of those people um i love introducing people to things that i know they're gonna love Mm -hmm. so if i see something great in a theater i will find someone new to go back with you know as many times as i want to see it again because i feel like i'm also introducing it to somebody that otherwise might not give it a chance Mm-hmm. So so I'm actually excited to, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about how I took a date to Star Wars who had never seen Star Wars movie and we watched Force Awakens. Um, so whenever I've got someone new in my life, you know, that I care about, I'm really excited. Like here's, I'm kind of indoctrinating them <laughs> the world of like geek media, um, which bless their hearts, you know, they're, uh, <laughs> they're usually okay with. Yeah, the, those experiences tend to just... Uh, um... Remind me how not geeky my husband is. <laughs> You've got to watch this. It's amazing. It's wonderful. So what'd you think? It was okay. Uh, oh. Yeah, crushed. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I wonder if this is just a geek thing. Yeah, no, I think it is. We we very much want to share what we love with the people we love. And so I think that's uh, 
I think that is definitely a trait, I, I wonder... although we'll have to talk about geek traits uh, because there is an article that I did not add to this, and I'll, I'll summarize, and I will uh, see what your take on it is, but we'll get to that in a little bit. That sounds great. A um, couple of other quick movies. That, that One of the articles that I'm going to be linking in the show notes talks about how um, – there's the question as to whether comic book movie fatigue is setting in for viewers. Right. And so my question is, is do you think that it's box office fatigue or do you think that the movies just were not as strong? And I think the ones that they were referring to specifically were the three Marvel movies of um, uh, Avengers 2, Fantastic Four, and uh, Ant-Man. Well... Fantastic Four is kind of its own thing just because of the whole story with that movie before it even came out. You know, I mean, it already had it didn't have much of a chance by the time it was released. So I feel like it's kind of hard to, you know, build another theory around why that movie did so poorly. Um, But I think it's it's superhero films are pretty ubiquitous now. And that's sad because I I enjoy them. I have so much fun with them. Like a lot of people were just kind of like, well, Avengers was okay. And I was kind of like, it's a good movie, guys. It's not amazing, but it's not, you know, it's you know, think about how many sequels we have out there that are just awful. Right. And I don't think that that happened. And I loved Ant Man. I thought it was charming. I thought it was fun. Yeah, same here. So maybe it really is, you know, box office fatigue where people are just kind of like, eh, well, too, too many superheroes. I mean, look at it this way. If there was one action movie coming out every year, it would do great business. Right. But when there's 10 action movies coming out a year, people are even people that love action movies are like, well, which action movie am I going to go see? You know what I mean? Or which couple? I'm not going to watch all 10. Right. Well, and, and we were talking about this last week when we were talking about all the trailers for movies coming out in the new year, yeah. and it was just geek movie after geek movie after geek movie, and they're awesome. But I can see where people are kind of like a little bit more selective. You know, it yeah. has to be a little, it has to be bigger and better, otherwise it's not going to impress. It's their own, or even just better. <laughs> you know, not necessarily yeah. bigger. Um, because I I think that. The, the the deconstruction of superhero movies sort of happened in earnest. Like, I almost feel like they, they tried to jump to that take too fast, mm-hmm. where they thought, okay, everyone's seen Spider-Man and X-Men, so now let's do the, like, let's do Chronicle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, right. And I think that movie was small, and it's found in audi- its audience. I mean, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but we're not quite there yet, where people are, I feel like, you know, they understand what's being deconstructed yet. I mean, we had how many decades of, of superhero comic books before Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns came along? You know what I mean? Right. Um, and so I think I don't think we're quite there yet. I think the people making them and, you know, the, the hardcore fandom is is right there, like running at the same pace, you know, because we're, we're already indoctrinated in this world and, and in these stories and tropes and whatnot. Um, but I think the general movie going audience is not. So I, I think they don't know what to do with something like Watchmen or something like, you know, um, some of those, you know, like, uh, uh, what was that one Will Smith vehicle called? Um, Hank, uh, uh, Hancock. Oh, that, you know what? I thought that was a, a, a fun movie. No. <laughs> I had no problem with Same that here. movie. But, but I'm saying, you know, th- those are things that they're playing with. They're already playing with the superhero 
tropes and ideas and kind of turning them on their head and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's just, you know, a lot of that stuff I think is is just too much for, for the audience, the movie-going audiences now where, where, again, if you have, you know, 10 superhero movies coming out next year, uh, which I'm that figure might not be far off. Um, no. You know, uh, even as someone who loves superhero movies like myself, I'm probably not going to watch all 10, you know? Right. Um, so I think that has something to do with it. Well, and I'm a, I'm a little concerned because I know I, – I feel like Batman versus Superman is going to be a make-or-break kind of movie. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this. Uh, are you aware that um, multiple uh, preview screenings have happened in the last uh, week or so? No, I haven't. And that there are uh, – despite the non-disclosure agreement signed, there are massive spoilers of that movie online to be found. I, I've I've been so busy with trying to pack up our our lives for this remodel that I have not been doing a great job of keeping up with with this news. This being, um, and the reason why I didn't share it on on the on the show notes is because this is something that I just stumbled upon yesterday, and I dipped my toe in and said, "Nope, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there." But for those of you interested, there are massive spoilers for that movie to be found online. You can pretty much know the story that you're going to see. Well, here's here's my question, and really the the spoil spoiler free question that I think is going to set the tone: Are the critics enjoying it, or are they concerned? Um, the critics, and by critics, we're talking about this is just a an audience that is like a test audience. So yeah, uh-huh. take that <laughs> take that for what you will. Um, they are from what, the, from what little I read, because again, I just dipped my toe and I didn't want to like fully go in. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> there's a, there's surprise after surprise. Um, so I think overwhelmed. Okay. So they're trying to they're trying to they're doing what we talked about a little bit last week, where you know they're trying to shove in everything in the kitchen sink into I, this one movie. I think so. Yeah, but and and I think that there's takes that. Well, the cool thing, okay, this is one thing that I do like about Zack Snyder, um, is that as long as he's staying in his lane, um, <laughs> is is that he finds he'll find ways to sneak in cool stuff for the geek audience, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so he does that. Um, I don't want to give away any spoilers, uh, but he finds ways to do that in this movie. So, so not everything, you know. I, and I think that that because. These are the cool little like geek touchstones. They tend mm-hmm. to include that stuff in the trailer, and you think, "Wait, what is he doing? Why is he? Why is that a part of this?" But I think really it's just those moments in the movie where he's trying to like nod to something, and then they'll cut that into the trailer, and people think that he's fully doing a thing when he's actually not. Okay, so I'm I think I'm seeing the way it's headed, and so that that might yes. Assuage my my concerns. Exactly, exactly. So all the stuff that you're seeing, a lot of that is just a nod to something in a clever way. It's not necessarily like this is what the movie is about. But I think they're trying hard to sell this to the geek audience, and I think that's throwing that's throwing us off a bit. Well, and I also think that we're not the audience that you, know, you never have to sell anything to the geek. Audience. Oh my god, totally, one hundred percent agree. Like uh, we're there. I, like it's it's got it's got Batman. There's not, Even if it is Ben Affleck, which I have no problem with, I think he'll be fine. I think he's gotten a lot better in in recent years. But um, 
but I know a lot of people are like, no. But even even that, it's yeah. Batman. You're going to go see it whether you're screaming from the rooftops that he's not your Batman. I will say this. Um, did you did you ever read any of uh, Frank Miller's All-Star Batman and Robin? No. Did you hear about that version of Batman? I haven't. Okay. Shades of, of that version of Batman in this movie is what is what I heard. Okay. That Batman is a dick. <laughs> so, like, really quite, like, he's, he's, yeah. So, shades of that Batman. Is this Batman? Well, that's kind of the way, I mean, that's kind of what you expect Batman to be, especially when he's paired off with Superman. Yeah. Because Superman's going to be the Boy Scout. Yeah. Batman's going to be the one who's like, look, no, that's just not going to work. So, there you go. This is, this is probably the most abrasive version of Batman that we've seen on screen. And I'm okay with that. There you go. All right. What else do we have? There's so much. There's so much. So much happened. It's like it's. I don't even know what to edit out. Um, <laughs> Every time we talk about Batman Superman, I get so happy because it's just such a monster. It's so all over the place. Like, <laughs> let's let's just go to um, the the last thing that I think was kind of what we ended the year on, which was Star Wars, and we we spoke about it completely last week but i i'd like to talk a little bit about that effect that it had on the end of the year for i think all geeks Mm. i felt like it just kind of ended the year on an up note i think everybody was very excited to be able to be geeky at the end of 2015 yeah the world yes i agree and and it's weird to say that a a a movie could unite so many people, but I do feel like that's kind of what happened. Like everybody was on board for this movie, whether you were loving it, hating it, or or indulging your geeky significant other. This movie made an impression on you those last two or three weeks. Yeah, it's like we said last week. The the internet achieved maximum Star Wars, which is an amazing yeah. thing for the internet to achieve maximum anything is pretty, you know, amazing. Yeah, and so I think it was a pretty good – whether you loved the movie, whether you hated the movie, whether you think the franchise is headed in the right direction, whether you think it's a mess, um, I think it was a good way to end the year because it it ended on a very everybody's doing the same kind of thing note. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think we've ever had anything like that before. Right, right. It, and it feels like we've been coming to this for a while, mm-hmm. and this was the thing. Yeah. So so that's cool. I don't know if that's like launching us into a 2016 of um of shared geekitude or if it's just like all right, we've we've peaked and it's all downhill from here. and say, you know how in Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek like the idea was that like all of humanity like came together and finally like figured out like how to make it work on Earth and that's what kind of enabled us to like move on to space as the next frontier, like as a unified like race. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be ironic if Star Wars was the thing that did that? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because as I'm kind of going through our, our notes and stuff and there's different links to click on and, and everything, I, I happen to click on one that, that's entitled Star Wars fans. Once again, kind of the worst thing about Star Wars. <laughs> so I don't know that we're going into the world of Kumbaya because of this movie. <laughs> Points. Points. Um, but that does bring me to kind of, uh, before we head into things that we're looking forward to in 2016, um, 
just this kind of general idea of what a geek is. And I know I included a link about um, acknowledging that women are geeks and completely invested just like, you know, guys are. And it's a pretty, pretty cool article. It shows the kind of breakdown of who claims what fandom and uh, it's just kind of a, a very inclusive look at geekdom going forward. But I also saw an article, which I didn't include, but maybe I'll include in the, the final notes, that was basically comparing uh, Kylo Ren to the modern stereotypical geek. Oh, that's great. I Let's dive into that one. I have so about Kylo Ren and about Luke and stuff, and I wasn't sure if we were going to get the chance to dive. You might have way more material for this podcast than you need. I don't know. That's okay. That's okay. Um, the idea is is that kind of guy throwing the tantrum and slashing the computers with the lightsaber is is the stereotypical geek. I love this. And it needs to not be. And it was a, it was a really good article. It was a really good article going why why is this the, the this feels like the rallying point of the geeks of yesterday. And um, because those and those geeks, I'm sorry to interrupt, but real quick, those yeah. those geeks are the ones that are complaining about Kylo Ren. Yes, <laughs> so it's perfect. And that Ray kind of symbolizes geeks going forward she's excited about everything everything's new um she's competent and and i just thought that that was a very interesting note to leave 2015 on because it does feel like you know good geek versus bad geek a little bit please send me this article so that i can share it to the heavens (laughs) i i know i i love that theory i it's it's I love when geek culture comments on geek culture, you know, yeah. and and that would be a very slight. I mean, even if it's not what they intended, it's just such a cool thing to note um, because I've I've I love Kylo Ren as a character, as a as a as a as the bad guy, as the villain for this iteration of Star Wars. Um, I really do. I, I it doesn't annoy his his emo outbursts don't annoy me. Um, to me, they're like, well, you know, something different. Like he's not a fully formed Sith as we talked about, and so he's you know, I just like seeing this is what Anakin should have been, and I've said that for more. <laughs> I've said that so many times this week to people complaining about Kylo Ren, you know. Right, and and it's I mean. Let's be honest. For the most part, Vader had his act together. Yeah. Well, like we've had the the strong, scary, um, you know, imposing bad guy. Yes. But what's more, I'm going back to my role playing roots here. What's what's more scary than lawful evil is is chaotic evil. Right. Like that idea that we don't know what he's going to do and the fact that he's not in control all the time and that he doesn't always get his way and that things don't always work the way he want it, wants it to, yeah. that's scary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and the the fact that he's he's – it's almost like he's unwillingly being seduced to the dark side. 
it's mm-hmm. it's it's like he he knows what he has to do, but he's he doesn't know if he's strong enough to do it. He's not talking about being a good person, like you know. Like, no, he's talking about being an evil person. He's talking about achieving Vader status, you know. Right. Um, which is so messed up when you think about it. Well, it's it's the it's the fear of doing what you know you should do because it makes you change what you want. Right. And I think that's exactly what we have as a problem with with the the geeks that are <laughs> the trolls. <laughs> you know, the the ones that are 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 never happy with what is going on. The people who are like, no, this isn't my Star Wars because it's not X, Y, or Z. Yeah. You know, the the ones that don't eat their cookies. There, are, there are, there's that geek out there that thinks that Darth Maul is the perfect Sith Lord because he's an evil incarnate demon, literally with horns coming out of his head, and there's no nuance beyond that. Like, he doesn't even talk. Like, there's no new. It's just. You know, there's that there's that Star Wars fan that just wants it to be this is good and this is evil and that's it. But that's been done. And, you know, um, where do you go from here? And I like this idea of like, you know, I I think there's more than two sides to the force. It's not just good and evil. I, I think Luke is the third side to the force. And mm-hmm. I listened to this uh, podcast this week that kind of talked about a little bit about that. I'm going to send that to you because I want your thoughts on it. Um, I'm sure this is not the last time we're going to talk Star Wars by any stretch of the imagination. Um, no, not at all. And so it's, it's this idea that like there's the good side of the force and the bad side of the force, but um, or the light side and the dark side, I should say more accurately. Um, but both of those sides are very lawful <laughs> to use your term. Mm-hmm. They are very mm-hmm. detached no emotion, no love, no, you know, it's just because because even the Sith are are, are very um, regimented in a way. Right. They're very controlled. But what we see from Luke or what we saw from Luke in the first in the original trilogy was that he was, say, you know, because uh, uh, Obi-Wan and Yoda were like, don't care about your father. He's dead. You have to kill Vader. Like, that's what you have to do. Like, don't show empathy for him that's that's the path to the dark side that's gonna you know what i mean but, so, right. but that's what luke does though is that he shows empathy and he doesn't kill his father he's, he's like showing that there's like a third way and and even you know D- D- vader the way he's redeemed in the end is coming to his senses and realizing that's his son that he's watching being killed by the emperor and so he comes to and he does an act of of empathy you know what i mean Right. And so and now we're seeing, uh, you know, Kylo Ren and he's all over the place emotionally. So it's like the the emotional side of the force is kind of like what is the uncharted territory here? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing why he is so bent on being Darth Vader. Like why? What? Wh- how do you wake up one morning and say this guy was? powerful and evil and the dark side incarnate and i'm going to fight against my natural instincts because obviously he's quote-unquote being seduced by the um light side yeah and you know it's kind of one of those things where it's like well how do you get there yeah i don't need at this point 
I don't need my, you know, my Sith Lords fully formed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> We've seen that. Like, this, this yeah. is something different, and this is something, like you said, it's scarier, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I hope that nobody's like, wait, spoiler alerts. I don't think we spoiled anything big. No, I purposely you – know, oh, yeah. I think we've been vague, so I apologize if you're like, wait, too too much spoilers. But I really, I don't think – Around things, yeah. Yeah, I think we're pretty good with as far as that goes. Um, so I just thought that was interesting. I, I think – I'm hoping that 2016 is going to be more focused on more inclusivity, more diversity, more accepting that – we're more we're more powerful together as a group than squabbling amongst ourselves i mean if if you know star wars and marvel comics are any indication of where geek culture is going in terms of you know inclusivity i think we're on the right track yeah and we just have to hope that we don't have you know those last holdouts that ruin it for the rest of us you mean the game world Oh, sorry. Wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even there, I think that that's, you know, starting to try and make it's people are becoming more vocal about that not being OK. Yeah. And one of the things that that is in that article, which I, I put in the show notes, um, is they do talk about Gamergate. And yeah, I mean, that yeah, yeah that was major this year. And unfortunate and. You know, let's leave that in 2015 if we can. Yes, please. Which moves us on to 2016, and there's a uh, an, a link in the show notes about you know women in 2016 and and comics and geekdom and all that fun stuff. But there's also some fun movies coming out, and I know movies are your kind of cup of tea. Oh wow! Uh, moving on to 2016, but I, I will say uh, I made a point to go out and just see The Revenant the other day. Um, I don't know how geeky this is unless, you know, you're counting like really extreme film making geeks, which there are plenty of out there. Um, that is a brutal movie. Just <laughs> no spoilers, but holy wow. Um, I love hard to watch movies. And uh -huh. this movie is one of the hardest to watch that I've ever seen. It's. Just uncomfortable. Just uncomfortable for like, you know, when someone, you, you know, is really good. It's like you were talking about Oscar Isaac earlier and how, you know, he did such a good job with that character that it made you uncomfortable. Well, right. this is like two and a half hours of that. Like this. like oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in Inarito, I think his, his name is. And DiCaprio did such a good job <laughs> at making this brutal movie that you're just exhausted walking out of the theater. Um, I said at one point during, uh, cause the filmmaking craft is just so high that I said mm -hmm. at one point during the movie to my date, I said, I could watch this movie for the rest of my life. <laughs> but, and yet also I never want to watch this movie again. <laughs> just, yeah, it's, uh, well, that is quite the endorsement. That's the kind of film, you know, geek I am. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to, um, quite a few films this year for sure. For 2016. Well, um, Den of Geek put out a list of their top 30 must-see in 2016 movies. Um, and we're, we're just going to, I think, zip through them. Um, Independence Day Resurgence, excited or dreading? Um, I'm leaning towards dreading. I'm leaning towards indifferent, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. Did you, I mean, did you? are you a fan of the first one? Yeah, I, I am as... 
in as much as I have fond memories of it, I don't know that I went back and watched it over and over again like I did with some movies from my childhood. Right. Are, there, but... are there Independence Day conventions happening that I don't know about? I don't understand. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, I would agree. I'm kind of just lukewarm on this one. Yeah. Like, I'll probably go see it if it gets decent reviews, but same. I'm not going to go out of my way. Same. Um, are you a Harry Potter fan? No. I am a uh, now it not I'm not like a, against it. It's just one of those big huge things that happened that I thought, you know, I, I wasn't a fan of the first movie. I kind of watched like half of it and was like, I'm not feeling this. I didn't realize that it was going to be <laughs> became um and so I have gotten some pretty shady looks from people <laughs> when I say that I've never seen any of the Harry Potter movies all the way through. Um so so that is something that, you know, I'm I'm not a fan in that I've I'm not, you know, fully indoctrinated and and understand the world and whatnot. But it is something that is on the the shelf for me, you know. I I realize fully at some point I'm going to want to dive into that and and it's going to be a cool you know week or so where that i'm going to spend watching all those movies and stuff so read the books first oh really okay this is read the books first this is why okay good this is you know i i have i have i'm a huge fan of this series i i love the movies i think the movies are wonderful um in a very nostalgic very this is very cool to see these novels come to life the movies do not do any justice to the amazing world that's created in the books. Wow. Okay. That's, I will, I am fully on board reading the books then. Yeah. That's, Oh yeah. No, read, read the books real. I mean, they're easy reads because they, um, you know, they're meant for a younger audience, but they do start getting longer and longer (laughs) as, as time goes on. Um, and, and again, I, I love, I love the, the movies as well, but, I, when you get to like the fourth or fifth book and you realize that she's connecting it back to just these little throwaway ideas that were introduced in the first book, it's it's phenomenal. So let me ask you a question because I have this I have this theory about watching the movie versus reading the book. Okay, mm-hmm. um, and this is how I usually go about it. For me, the movie can never ruin the book. Because the movie leaves out so much of the book mm-hmm. that it can't ruin it because the, the the experience of reading the book is just so much it's just so much deeper and, and there's so much more going on. Mm-hmm. But the book, reading the book can ruin the movie because you already know what's gonna happen and the movie can't it can't be as deep as the book. So I've always tended to watch the movie first because then I can enjoy the movie for what it is. And then read the book, and I'm I'm usually still really entertained by the book because it's giving me so much more. I would I would recommend. Uh, this this is one of those times where I was like, if you really think that reading the book will ruin the movie for you, don't watch the movies. <laughs> I mean that that's like I I am so m- much about those books okay. as books, and and the way I the actually the way I experienced it is I. Watched the first two movies, went, I want to know more about what's going on. Like, these, I like the world that she's painting. I want to, I want to read what, what else is coming up. And so I watched one and two, read three. Okay. Loved it. Went back and read one and two. And then 
I, I was I was sold. I think I read four twice. I think I read five twice. Um, so, so what do you think? Okay, but Harry Potter aside, what do you think of my theory about? Uh, normally, normally I would agree with. Okay. You. Normally, I would say um, the movies are always gonna or the books are always gonna be better than the movies just because they they have the ability to do a lot more than the movies do. Okay. And so, if you watch the movie, you can go back and still enjoy the book and not be. Um, you know, not feel gypped. Yeah. Okay. I think I think that from what I know about you, I don't know that you will go back and read the books after you've seen the movies. I don't think the movies are going to be as engaging to you as the books might be. Okay. Wow. That's see. This is why we're friends. Great. <laughs> you you I wasn't sold, but you put it in a way that you're like, no, you know, when it comes to you, this. Okay. Damn. Yeah, I mean that that's that's my honest opinion because I think as the movies go on they get better and they get better. Mm. Um but they also leave more and more out. And so at the beginning you can watch the first or second movie and be like, "Oh, that was a fun movie." Yeah. But it wasn't so well crafted and the acting isn't amazing and it's not going to make Ray Vargas go I totally need to know what happened in the book. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I made it in the first film. I think I made it to the big giant chess board. Okay. And I was like, yeah. My girlfriend at the time was watching it. And I'm like, I'm going to go into the studio. <laughs> and <laughs> painting. I'm just. Yeah. And, and, and the first one you have to realize is meant to be read by, by young kids. So you have to kind of read the book from that point of view that it's, you know, for, uh, you know, the tween age. Sure. And then, and then, kind of let it develop as it gets older, because it it is truly a, a group of books that grows with its audience. Like when they started off, they were reading it as a young kid, and by the time they were teenagers, it was much grittier, much darker. Yeah, you know, it's pretty pretty cool. The whole reason why I brought this up, but I've heard about it, so okay, I'm I'm looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, clearly we're not gonna just blow through these. <laughs> these movies. Right, right, right. Um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them are coming out. And as much as I've just gushed about Harry Potter, I'm a little lukewarm about this. I think I'll enjoy it. But it's a movie about kind of my understanding is that the book is a compendium of creatures. And I could get this completely wrong because I, I haven't read the book. But for me, Harry Potter was so complete at the end of book seven that I didn't feel like I needed to go back and and read other stuff. Yeah, like like a lot of stuff in geek culture that we love, and yet somehow they find a reason to go back to it. I've never, mm -hmm. I don't know what that is. We're gonna talk about that more someday soon. Yes. Um, the next one on the list is She Who Brings Gifts, which Marcel Edwards from from our school um, has has told me that the book is phenomenal. Really? Yes, and it's basically kind of a different take on. Zombies? Yeah, when I first saw this image, the first thing I thought was, oh no, Walking Dead spoilers, don't. <laughs> yeah, no Walking Dead spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a, uh, the idea is I think it's a virus, it turns them into like, they call them hungries, so they're kind of cannibalistic zombie-like people, but they're still alive. And it's kind of how this woman kind of tries to relate to a child who's infected. Huh. She says it's very good, so I'm I'm excited to see what comes up from from reviews and that kind of stuff. Zombie genre continues to be the most malleable, the most like you can you can tell a zombie story in so many different ways, and I love every time I see someone try a new take. You know, 
Did you see um oh what's the <laughs> the teeny bopper Oh um I know what you're talking about. No, I didn't see it with Nicholas Holt. I think so. No, I didn't see that one. It's worth seeing. Yeah, it's, I thought I've heard. it's it's I, I went to see it just because I felt like I would be it got such good reviews, and I, I felt like I would not be a good zombie fan if I didn't go to at least be the critic of, oh, yes, I thought this, and I didn't think that. I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. Yeah, it's one of those ones that really surprised me when I heard good reviews. Uh, Warm Bodies, right? Warm Bodies, that's it. Yeah. Another one of those things that I just kind of dismiss going, nope, not going to do that. And then I have wonderful friends like you, Joe, who are like, no, 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 that's worth your time. You should check that out. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, 27 is Ghostbusters, which I think is the most contested, most controversial movie that's going to be coming out in 2016. Which is really, that just is unfortunate. That just kind of is depressing to me that people are that worked up about an all-female Ghostbuster team. Yeah. You know, like, who's really is someone ruining your childhood? Come on. And I'm a little afraid that it's going to go the way of Fantastic Four, but for the other reason. Oh, yeah. Again, all the all the bad hype beforehand that people, whether it's a good movie or not, people aren't going to go see it because they're just, it was torn apart before it even had a chance. Right. I mean, I really like Melissa McCarthy and Christian Wiig. Like, I'm fans of their stuff, so I'm already, you know, Ghostbusters aside, like, I'm already in, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it'll be, I mean, I can understand, I'm not disagreeing with any of the stuff that people are bringing up, that their concerns, but don't, don't kill it before it gets a chance. If it's bad, then... You have every right to do what you and I do when we disagree, which is just disagree and enjoy each other, enjoy the discussion, yeah. but don't don't rip it apart. Yeah, yeah. There's no need to, you know, be exclusive. There's no need to really like cast, you know, ideas out. You know. Yeah. Um. Do you care about the purge at all? No. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that's number 20, uh, 26, 25 is the BFG, which is the big friendly giant by Rodal. Right. I've never read his books before. I mean, obviously I'm familiar with a couple of his properties just because they're like classics. Right. But apparently this is one that matters a lot to a lot of people. Yeah. I remember reading it. It's not my, my favorite of his books, but I think it'll be fun. It, it looks like it's going to be an interesting one. This is a good opportunity to ask you your opinion on Steven Spielberg. Um, my honest uh, opinion is uh, my my feelings towards Steven Spielberg is going to depend highly on what he does to um, Ready Player One. Really? And if he <laughs> doesn't do justice to Ready Player One, I will have no time in my life for Steven Spielberg. Well, here's the thing, Joe. He's going to do what Steven Spielberg does. And so I'm asking you, how do you feel? What does that mean to you? How do you feel about that? I think Steven Spielberg can tell a good story. Okay. Do you think he's a little saccharine? Um, he can be, but I don't, but I mean, like in the big friendly giant, I would want saccharine because that's kind of what, like, it's a very, aw kind of movie. Okay. Um, in ready player one, there's, there's an epic story to be told there. Have you read the book? No, I, I have it. I have not read it read it and and i uh, people that non geeky friends of mine have said you had to read this book and i put it off and put it off and put it off and then couldn't put it down yeah. like i read it cons- i think i finished it in 3 days because i just like didn't put it that down that one is queued up after wool have you heard of wool 
I have heard of Wool, and I haven't read it. Sean Daly recommended that to me after I bought it, mind you. <laughs> so I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah, but I mean, I heard that he doesn't want to. I mean, the whole thing is it's steeped in '80s. This world is steeped in '80s pop culture, right? So in a way, Spielberg is perfect. Exactly, and then when they got it, they're like, "This is awesome because you know he's got access to all these properties because half of them are his." Yeah. And he kind of made the announcement that he's not interested in putting any of his stuff in there. What? Which everybody's just like, "Don't, don't do this, dude. What, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Step away from the movie." Oh, man. Um. So you know, if he can do it in a way that is true to the film and still tells the epic story, then awesome. But it's if you don't have any of that '80s nostalgia that he's so much of a part of, then there's no point in doing the movie. Wow. You, those stakes got pretty high there really quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, Steven Spielberg needs to, like, very rare. like, we've talked about how I try very hard to keep my expectations low for movies. <laughs> right, and I just go, I'm fully on the hype train. Uh, yeah, I, I am having a hard time not investing in this movie <laughs> because the book is so phenomenal. Okay. That's, that one sounds like it's going to be moved to the front of the the, the pack. Uh, yeah, th- th- this is this is going exactly against what <laughs> I just uh, you know you like I should have just seen the movie so that I couldn't be disappointed. <laughs> In a, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, I'm going to skip down a little bit unless there's something on here that you really nope want to cover. Deadpool number nineteen. Deadpool. I never got on the Deadpool train. I'm excited about it. I think it'll be fun to see. I'm not all in as some fans are. Some people are like, this is going to be the best movie ever created, and I don't know that that's going to be the case. I think it's just going to be a fun movie. I laugh at every trailer for Deadpool, so I think that's a good sign. Yeah, and my favorite character in the Marvel Universe is Colossus, and he's in this. What is, so, uh, what is going on with that? Like Colossus, I have no idea. Are they just completely doing like a new alternate universe Colossus for this movie? Because he's nothing like what was in the X-Men movies. Yeah, no, I, I, I know nothing about it. I'm trying to kind of keep my spoilers yeah. low. Yeah. And it, it does uh, look like they're picking up from the end of X-Men Origins Wolverine, so that's kind of surprising. Oh, are they? It looks like it, because the last trailer that I saw, and, and I don't think these are spoilers, I'm just going from the trailer, um, they, sh- I mean, you saw Wolverine, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah. same here, okay, so they pick up from the end of that one, they show the rubble of that huge uh, structure that they were fighting on, they mm-hmm. show the rubble of that, they show him with, like, his mouth tied up, and they show all that. So, Interesting. Yeah, so I think that's... I feel like they're they're picking up from that a little bit. They show they show what happened before that in terms of him getting recruited into that that thing and, and how he you know ends up looking the way he does at the end of Wolverine. Uh-huh. And then they pick up after the end of Wolverine. That in the trailer, that's that's what the, the appearance that they gave. That'll be interesting. My guess is if they do it that way, they're going to do something that very strongly makes fun of that. Movie. I think so too. Which is that that's perfect. Like. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and that's the way it should be. It's very much yeah, the way Yeah, I'm going to send you the latest trailers. You can watch it. Uh, Star Trek Beyond, I, number 16. I'm rooting for this movie, and I'm not a Star Trek fan. 
I, I think it'll be fun. I, a lot of people are feeling it's a little too action-y and not enough Star Trek-y. I mean, you know, when you get the director of Fast and Furious to, you know, to, to direct the new Star Trek movie, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for it because um, I'm a fan of Simon Pegg, and I know that he wrote this with his writing partner. Which makes me a lot more confident about it because I love Simon. Yeah, Pegg. same here, exactly. And I'm a big fan of Idris Elba, who's playing like the big heavy in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I just you know it's I hope it I hope it's embraced. I hope it it surprises a lot of the jaded Trekkies who are already kind of you know hating hating it. Yeah, I I think again, eat your cookies, people. <laughs> it's new content. Yeah, be happy with it. Yeah. Uh, number 15, X-Men Apocalypse. We've talked extensively about it. Oh, we did. We <laughs> Star Wars show into like half X-Men show. Which anytime you're on, <laughs> we, we turn it into X-Men show, which I would have it no other way. <laughs> but I think we'll, we'll just we'll just say that you're you're a little bit on the fence. I, you're hoping that it will be good. I'm keeping my expectations low and just going to enjoy the ride. Yeah, we're going to we're I mean, we're both on. We're both going to watch it. So, you know, yeah. they've got us. <laughs> <laughs> uh number 12 on this list is Doctor Strange. Oh, Doctor Strange. Yes. How are you feeling about I've this? Have you seen anything about thoughts it? Thoughts about this. I've got <laughs> I've got feelings about this. Um I you know, he it looks great as far as the mm-hmm. the, the images that have been coming out. Um have they patched together they haven't patched together a, a trailer yet, right? Cuz they're like filming now, right? Yeah, no, they just they just have hit the images of uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and I I, w- I will be honest, I've never found him to be the most attractive of gentlemen, and I know there's some people that are like freaking out right now okay. as I say this, but um, dude looks really nice in this movie. Yeah, from the, from the photos I've seen, I've I've never really gotten the hype around uh, him. Um, I don't. I mean, I guess he's a decent actor. I haven't hated him in anything that I've seen him in, but I, it kind of took me aback when I realized that there was this kind of whole, like, devoted fan base to this guy. And, oh, yeah. and I'm guessing that's because of Sherlock, mostly? I think so, and yeah, I think that's where a big part of it comes from. Um, he's he's a really pretty good actor. He is. I think he sometimes ends up in stuff that he probably is not well not not that he's not well suited for but that doesn't really um highlight his strengths as well and i don't think that that's him i think that's you know his um agent and and you know whoever's behind him and his media machine yeah, yeah. but um, think- but i think for the most part it's a, he 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 positions him decently what what did you think of him in star trek 2 <laughs> It was what it was. Like he wasn't my, fa- I, but I think that was a directorial choice. I don't think that was anything he did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I think part of my take on on Doctor Strange right now is affected by the fact that I kind of got my hopes up, and I don't know why. I think there was this one article that I read that kind of suggested that maybe Doctor Strange is an opportunity for Marvel to, you know, start hiring a more diverse cast. And I think it was just a small article, and I don't even think I saw it really discussed anywhere else. But that put something in my head where I was like, oh, God, how great would it be? You know, Doctor Strange doesn't have, there's no reason for him to be like another white dude. 
Right. And I think I was a little disappointed when, you know, they they, they signed Benedict Cumberbatch to, to play him. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was exacerbated by all the, the geeks that I know that were, like, elated that their hero, Benedict Cumberbatch, <laughs> find the perfect, you know, casting of Doctor Strange because no one else could do this character justice. I think that kind of pushed, you know, pushed me towards the edge a bit. Um, so, so that being said, the images look great. They do. Like, I'm not hating, you know. Um, and we'll see. I mean, I'm def I'm going to be there. I've always liked Doctor Strange as a character. Um, and, and I trust Marvel, you know? Yeah, I trust Marvel and I, I'm excited because it's something very different than anything we've gotten from Marvel yet. So it's going to be new and exciting. Yes. I'm hoping that it is psychedelic and I'm hoping that they, you know, they don't shy away from, from that stuff, which again, like you said, we trust them. So, so yeah, I think, you know, I'm still working through my my feels on that but <laughs> on the casting but i'm sure I'll, I'll i'll come around by the time you know it's gonna the first trailer comes out and then i call you because i'm so freaking excited so <laughs> that's kind of where i am with this uh 11 is warcraft which again we talked about a little bit last week have you gotten to see anything more have you seen the trailer I yet watched the trailer yeah holy wow they really yeah this is like full-on like it's it's happening. <laughs> they showed a lot more in the trailer than I was expecting. Yeah, and uh, I know you're not. You don't follow the franchise at all. No, it's huge, um, though. It's huge. It looks yeah. enormous. And I think it's one of those that they've got the built-in audience. I mean, there's currently around seven million players in the game. Oh wow! And it's been up to I think the highest was possibly 12 million players at one point at least 10 um so it's not like they're not going to have an audience yeah but my opinion is they have one shot and if it's not good then it's going to go the way of most video game movies i tend to agree with you now do you think that is because um this world of warcraft while clearly popular and you know millions of users um World of Warcraft is not something you really see a lot in, like, just, like, like the media. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not a property that comes up a lot, at least not from my experience. Right. It's it's a very underground – It's well, as underground as 10 million players can be. Um, That's why I kind of hesitated. I was trying to figure out how to describe it right now. Like, no, I can't use underground because there's 10 million players. Like, jeez. Yeah, but it's kind of like you come into it by – other people you don't come into it by seeing an advertisement on television and going oh that looks like something i'm going to play because people know it from it being made fun of on television and in movies like that's what people know it from but a lot of people enjoy it they just don't tell anybody because they're afraid that they're going to be lumped in with you know the guy from the south park episode so are those people going to go watch it I think so. I think so because you can just dismiss it as it's a um it, it, it's a fantasy movie. And so if you're at all a geek, you know, it's a fantasy movie. I'm going to go see a fantasy right. movie. Right. So so this you think this is uh relying heavily on the crossover potential? I think it's relying heavily on the fact that it's got it's had at one point 10 million players and and they can pretty much put out a piece of crap, and this first movie is going to pull in a lot of people to watch it. So then what do you mean when you say that you feel like they've got this one shot? 
Well, because I don't think I think that everybody's going to go see it, hoping it's going to be good and hoping it's going to be amazing. And I, I honestly like again, this goes into my I'm keeping my expectations low, but I'm I'm excited about it. Um, in fact, I'm actually going to probably go to a meetup in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. <laughs> Uh, to actually view this with a bunch of my people. Wow! Um, oh, I can't wait for that report afterwards. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm. That, that in of itself is going to make the experience. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so when I say they've got one shot, it's better be good. I'm not saying that because I think it's going to be bad. I'm just saying that if it isn't a strong movie, and I think they went into this knowing it, if it's not, uh, if it's not a strong movie with the amount of money it costs and everything else, they're not going to do a second. Yeah. Where if it's a the, – the, the, the World of Warcraft universe has such a strong story to it that they have enough for dozens of movies. Like – Wow. And, and have something be a little bit different every time because you got to remember every time – you know we're on our seventh or eighth expansion, something like that. It's got to be sixth expansion. So – it's been going on for 11 years. Yeah. 11 years of content. They've got easily that many movies. Wow. Nobody's going to go see it if this first one isn't good. Right. So this wow, so this could this could be massive. I mean, it could turn into the movie version of what the game is. Yeah. Yeah, and and I and I think that people who are not big video game people but like the fantasy genre will really enjoy going to see these stories being told because there are some amazing characters with just some chilling story arcs because I mean, I've had um, experiences in the game where I'm following along the story and you're reading along and everything. And then something will happen. There'll be a cut scene or there'll be a, you know, just a a piece of text. And all of a sudden you're like, wow, that got real, real fast. And you know, you have an emotional reaction to it. I know in one of the, um, the expansions you get through a zone and at the end of the zone you basically have blown everything up like you've <laughs> you've made a mess of this place that you've just discovered and the indigenous people are like yeah um why don't you go over there and um not be here anymore <laughs> and and you walk away from the experience going wow I'm really a bad – my character is really a bad person. <laughs> they didn't mean to be, but they really messed things up. And for you to have that kind of emotional response in a video game, yeah. now put that on screen. No pressure. You know? No pressure, Duncan Jones. Yeah, no pressure, Duncan Jones. <laughs> he, um, Born 5, we mentioned a little bit earlier. Real quick before we move on. Uh-huh. Does the name Duncan Jones, does that – as a director, does that ease your concerns a little bit or not at all? The only thing I am familiar with is the um, uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie. Oh, oh, um, you're talking about Source Code. Yes, which that's that's him, right? Yeah, you never saw um, you never saw Moon. I never saw Moon. Oh, we gotta watch Moon. Okay, Moon. Yeah, is is Moon more epic and big because Source Code is very like shot in a dark room. Very well. It's very done very well, but it's not anywhere near the scope that Warcraft is. Uh, Moon is smaller. Oh wow! So that <laughs> see that's that's what worries me. Right, right. But I mean, no one thought that you know Stephen. Uh, wait, uh, Jackson. Um, not Stephen. I'm thinking of basketball. Um, the director. Peter Jackson. What? Peter Jackson, the director of Lord of the Rings. No one thought that he was capable of something in that scope. You know what I mean? Beforehand, because he was doing like B horror movies. Yeah, yeah. No, I can see that. 
it, it's I'm not worried about it. I really I think that there's been enough change in the movie industry where they're like we're going to tell a good story and that's going to bring in the good audience mm-hmm. that I'm not I'm not worried about it. I just know that it's one it's a one shot deal. Yeah. Like if they don't if they don't nail it, we got issues. And but he he plays into the whole the whole J.J. Abrams category where I feel who does as Duncan a, Jones? Yeah, I feel I feel okay as a fan going into it because I know he's a fan of the genre and he's a fan of the like he's played the game. He okay. you know a lot of the cast has played the game, um, and not just because I'm going to be in this movie, I need to play the game so I know what I'm doing. Yeah. In the matter of like. Um, Rob Kaczynski, when they said, have you ever played the game on Twitter? He was like, yeah, I've sort of got nine max level characters. Like, I mean, like hardcore play, play this game. Wow. All right. Just, just, I wanted to just ask the question about David Bowie's son before. We move on. Oh, Duncan <laughs> Jones is David Bowie's son. I don't think I knew that. Really? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> David Bowie's son is directing World of Warcraft. Okay, moving on. See, I, I'm so I'm so bad with director <laughs> names. You know this about me. I'm just like, who's that guy again? Well, his, his name is not Duncan Bowie, so you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, we've also talked a lot about Batman versus Superman, and speaking of World of Warcraft players, Henry Cavill, big what? Warcraft player. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He almost didn't get. The part because he forgot to call somebody back because or because like he almost missed the phone call that told him he got the Superman part because he was in a raid. You told me that before. That's right. Yeah. That's um, Geek, man, geeks just they come in all shapes and sizes. I wish I. This makes me feel better about my childhood growing up. As a football <laughs> player, and I was like, you know, stashing my Sandman comics. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Born Five. Yeah, I'm excited about this. Yeah, I think – I know my husband's excited about this. This is his favorite movie franchise. I was just going to say, we're kind of stretching the bounds of geek. Um, I guess this is – is this geek? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to start drawing lines, but I'm just curious. It's it's on the list. <laughs> <laughs> it is Den of Geek, so okay. It is Den of Geek, so they like it. Well, yeah, I just recently uh, in, in my move, as I said, when I'm working, I like to put movies on in the background that I've seen just to listen to them again. And mm-hmm. I in one night of packing, I blew through – every uh born movie oh, one wow. day yeah so um and i was like man you know what that was enjoyable like that was cool you know so i'm i'm glad they're making another one i like matt damon as as an actor so you know interested to see where they take it yeah i and i think i think there's enough of a story there that it's not going to just be the same old same old yeah so we'll, 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 i'll go see it i'll you know pour some uh Vanilla Coke out for Jeremy Renner and <laughs> and enjoy this next Bourne movie. You're you're segueing us very nicely because then number seven we have Captain America: Civil War. Hey man, recurring guest. Okay, there's a reason. <laughs> you know how to do it. <laughs> uh, of course, Captain America: Civil War. This is probably hold on. Let me let me go down the list real quick. Let me cheat. This is probably my ooh. There's some close ones, but this is probably my most anticipated movie uh, next year. This yeah. Year. Yeah, it's right up there with for me X Men, um, Captain America, and uh, and Warcraft are like all neck and neck. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, we've talked about this. We we know why we're fully interested in this. Um, it's kind of like the next Avengers movie, really. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And and all the stuff that I don't care for about a lot of the solo titles in comic books, which is you know 
I like Iron Man, but I like Iron Man more when he's with a bunch of other heroes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, we're, we're now getting to that where I don't think any solo character title is going to be a solo character, you know, and I think that's what makes all of these movies so much more fun. Very much like the comics, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. We're there. Um, jumping down, number four, Star Wars Rogue One. Now this... The first of our non-trilogy tri- of trilogies movies. So I made a... a... Geek full pod the other day where I was thinking that Rogue One was about um was Boba Fett's anthology movie or 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 rather like solo film um, oh yeah no. because I confused uh Rogue One with um his Slave One oh got it got it got his it. name is Slave One right and so I was like oh yeah that's the Boba Fett and I just kind of got this like. <laughs> <laughs> this look <laughs> like how dare you um no this is the story of how the the rebel alliance first got their hands on the plans of the death star right yes uh spoiler many bothans die <laughs> right okay just in case uh yeah <laughs> yeah um so i mean how spoiled are we as i mean <laughs> it's like our, we're gonna like we're pretty much getting. They've said pretty much a Star Wars every year, right? Yeah, right? yeah, but yeah. Just so like the next chapter of like Luke and and the band, like cool like stories like this, like this like you know almost like suicide mission or whatever, you know this like doomed mission, and we're getting this like really cool like story being told to us. You know, I don't know. It's just I'm so I just I can't even. I can't even be find anything to be upset about or or kind of like standoffish about with this it's this project this whole thing is just like wow really we're getting that it's just like more cookies okay I'll take them well yeah and like stuff like the problem that a lot of I think franchises are having is that like with Marvel every movie has to tie into something else like they're that's that's why they're being created yeah I think the fun thing with Star Wars is going to be hey um this is a this is a movie that is telling us about this side story that we already kind of know the ending to it's about the story it's not about tying into something else right and to me that's exciting because that means yeah they're they're making money off of it nobody's being pollyanna about this and thinking oh they're just doing it to make good movies no they're they're making money off of it yeah. but it gives them the opportunity to tell good movies yeah yeah i'm yeah i'm, I'm... So spoiled, can't believe it. <laughs> uh, Suicide Squad they have as number three. I'm really excited about this movie. I want to be excited about this movie, but it, there's just so much going on. I don't know what to do with it. So okay, I'm I'm that version of of comic book fan that I don't hold any of the um like original like stories like as like the you know gospel you know mm-hmm. i'm very much mm-hmm. someone who is like willing to destroy or cast off what has come before if it's in service to a good story it's all about the story for me so that being said i'm excited that um directors um like david ayer are are doing their take on these characters because i feel like i know by this point, what a David Ayer movie is like, I, I know what, you know, the, his stories, the stories that he likes to tell, I understand them. We're talking about Training Day, 
We're talking about End of Watch. We're talking about Fury, that Brad Pitt, uh, you know, tank movie. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I understand the grit that he likes to to work in. And so the fact that he's telling the Suicide Squad story is really, to me, I I look forward to um, projects that have like maximum potential. Now, do they always pull off that potential? No, but maximum potential is when you take like this kind of wild card or like unknown and then this thing. And it's like, wow, there's a chance that this could be great. And so, I will like I'm fully on board for that. Just the fact that there's a chance, the fact that they're, you know, they're getting these some of these directors to play in this. It's like when Ang Lee did Hulk, you know, I mean, right. I was really excited about that because I knew what Ang Lee movies were. They weren't superhero movies. And now we're getting to see this. I mean, that movie, you know, it has its its pluses and minuses, but I'm still like a, like a fan of that movie. Like, I, I love that it exists. Put it that way. You know, I, I can understand that. I don't know how much I love uh killer poodles no but, that um, was hilarious <laughs> um yeah and then the ending was uh, a whole like you know what the ending reminded me of <laughs> it reminded me of like 80 percent of anime movies that i've seen <laughs> that like really cool cyberpunk things and at the end they're like this philosophical like you know just like epic kind of um uh i don't know it did devolves into this like uh course on existentialism so <laughs> that's kind of what happened to the Hulk movie. Uh, but again, I just love that it exists. So I'm really excited that this Suicide movie is going to exist later this year. Yeah, I mean, it has – it has my, my favorite type of movie, as I've mentioned before, is that kind of Ocean's Eleven heist film, kind of everybody's uh, a cog in the wheel, and right. and they make it come together. It's just the list of characters in this is so extensive that either we're not going to get to really know any of them hmm. or a bunch of them are going to be red shirts. Well, and yeah. so I'm kind of just like, there's it's just right now. I just don't know what to do with this film. I want to like it. I want to be excited about it, which probably means I'm going to absolutely love it because I'm going in with very few expectations. DC's not my, my label. So I'm going in not knowing a lot about the characters other than, just you know your latent i'm yeah radiation of geekness <laughs> i i'm best case scenario for me would be a a brutal supervillain oceans 11 yeah and i mean in the ways that oceans 11 is light and funny and winking i want this to be like gritty you know like and I and I I'm a fan of that. Like I know there are people out there that are like, no, you know, we got to keep all comics light, and you know, I get that when it's Fantastic Four. I totally understand that. Yeah. But this is Suicide Squad. They're called Suicide Squad. You know, like I'm fine. I'm, I'm I'm excited about the possibilities here. So yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, it should be fun. Yeah, yeah, totally. Very cool. Well, that's uh, the last two. I don't know much about. I don't know if there's anything. Number two is the Nice Guys. Probably my most anticipated um, movie of next year. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. One reason. One reason only. Shane Black. What's that? Shane Black. And you know I follow directors. Uh, uh-huh. Shane Black wrote and directed this movie, um, and he has uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is the movie that kind of gave resurgence to Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, career. Uh-huh. Um, and it's great. It's, it's Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer in a funny, violent neo noir film. Um, 
takes place in L.A. It's great. It's it's a small film, but it's wonderful. Uh, Shane Black, in the past, like in the 80s, as, as his career in the 80s as a writer, he wrote Lethal Weapon. He wrote Predator. Um, and uh, he actually worked on Predator. Uh, and then more recently, uh, as I said, he directed Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, he also directed Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, I just I love his voice and I love his his whole style of writing and whatnot. So I'm really excited about this this film. Well, that's cool. That's I mean that explains why it's on the list. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's it doesn't strike me as a terribly geeky movie, but when you see the credits that are associated with that, I wouldn't understand. Um, the last movie on here is Story of Your Life, which sounds like it's an AI. Yeah, what? Oh no, it's an alien encounter movie, right? Okay. <laughs> story or life i don't know it kind of sounds like a um <laughs> it kind of sounds like a like a, it could be a rom-com i don't know <laughs> yeah but it's it's i think it's kind of a first contact movie okay oh oh i just i'm looking at the image here and i just saw i made out what those numbers are at the bottom or or rather what their the shape is supposed to be yeah yeah so I don't. I don't know. Number one, really? What's? But that's what they put as number one. So and a geek. Um, we shall see. We shall see. But that's. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. And then, I mean, we didn't even start to talk about all the movies. I mean, all the television series because I know you're not a huge television person. Um, I'm looking forward to another season of Orphan Black and Agent Carter and all that fun stuff. But... I mean, I'm looking forward to you know season two of The Flash. Yes. Yes. And uh, are you going to watch uh, DC Legends of Tomorrow? That's the spinoff of Arrow and Flash. That's got like Hawkman and Hot Girl and. Okay. What? This is the first I even hear of that. Oh yeah. The okay. So where are you in? You're you're still working through Flash season two? Yeah. I've, I've got no season one. I've got the the finale. Okay. So. Season two, they're going to start introducing a bunch of these secondary characters, and they're taking all the – they're introducing some in Flash and some in Arrow. Oh, so they're really connecting the two shows even more. Yeah, because then they're going to take um, the Atom from Arrow. Oh, what? um, That's awesome. The uh, Captain Cold and – I can never remember the, the other guy's name. Oh, yeah. I know you're talking about. The the hot guy. Yeah, the hot guy. <laughs> not not hot as in good looking, although I, I have always thought he's a very attractive gentleman. But um two guys from prison break. That's so the two guys from prison break, yeah. <laughs> so it's the two of them and uh and the Adam, uh the white canary who is a, a character from from the arrow, and Hawkman, Hawk Girl Hawkman and Hot Girl. I will put in. Uh, don't tell me. I just. That's me. I. I grew up loving the visuals of that character. Yeah, Firestorm. Yes. Oh, Heat Wave. That's his name. Heat Wave. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Um. So they're gonna take all these characters and they're gonna send them through a kind of time romp adventure. I mean, this is just the time to be a geek. It. It really is. It really is. So I mean, like. I, I had trouble last week giving you a reason to watch the Arrow, yeah. go back and watch the Arrow. Yeah. The only thing I can suggest is is that there are characters that you won't be invested in as much because 
their um, they've been introduced in know, that series, yeah. Yes, and some of that that are very long, you know, multiple season. Yeah. We love the character. Like I'm a huge, um, I'm a huge White Canary fan. So, um, cool. Wow. So yeah, so that's that's coming up quick. That's coming up in in January. I feel like we're getting ready to wrap up. And I want to ask you something. Um, yes, yes. How is 2016 going to top 2015 in terms of geekitude? Uh, in terms of all that's at like available to us and like the celebration of like all the stuff we're into. Well, I think that's I think that's what it is. It's the celebration, the inclusive inclusivity of that celebration. I think is what's going to make 2016 better. I think you're going to hear a lot of new voices. I think you're going to hear a lot of um, perspectives that we haven't seen before. And I think you're going to all of a sudden see a lot of new content that is, you know, we always complain about it being just a rehash of things that we've had before. I think we're going to get a lot of new. And I think where this past year has been kind of celebrating what we love I think a lot of this coming up is what we love but new. Is this like next generation kind of thing, you think? I, I do think it is. I mean, you've got Ghostbusters. You've got, um, you know, the, the direction that Marvel's going. Uh, you've got things like we, that we didn't even talk about, like Supergirl and Agent Carter and Jessica Jones. All these things that are, are different and different takes on things that, that we love. Yeah. You know, I, I would even, I'd say taking that further, the thing I'm probably most excited about for this year is the thing that I don't even know about yet. Like, yeah. you know, the thing that is, you know, it might be in production and I might not really be focusing on it, but because it's, that's because it's not a new take on an existing property like Ghostbusters as excited as I am about that or interested or whatever. Um, you know, there's something that is a geek thing that's coming out that is new, influenced by things that have come, but a new property, you know? And and so I'm excited for the, for those things, too. You're you're excited about the thing that we're going to be sitting here a year from now going, okay, what did you love about 2016? And we totally didn't see it coming when we were talking about how much we love exactly. probably, what's coming out. Well, I know it might be story of your life. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. You know? Well, I mean, like this, this year, Sense8. A lot of people right. still don't know anything about it, and I can't shout my praise for that show yeah. any louder. Yeah. Um, and it's and it's a little bit of that completely different. Siri thinks I'm talking to her. Um, it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of people saw coming, and and it's trickling through the fandom because people are like, "Come on, this is amazing! You have to see right. it." It's influenced by all the things that we love, but it's a new property. Yeah, completely new, completely yeah. Un, un, amazing, never seen before. And those are the things that are going to keep all this going. We can't keep, you know, going back to the well of, of writers from the 60s and 70s and 80s and, you know, turning those into TV shows, which is great. But, yeah, we're I think we're both talking about the same thing just from different angles, which is the, the new, the next. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we need to bring this to a close because we have been talking for well over two hours now. Um <laughs> Which we could probably talk a whole another two hours and not be done. Um, any shout outs? Um, yes, I would like to give a shout out to Cecilia Perez, who has uh, <laughs> patiently um, and lovingly been um, 
open to, you know, my geek interests and uh, really my date to, you know, my last couple of uh, really uh, geeky movie ventures. And she's great. She's just really open to it. And I actually really like um, seeing something that I'm somewhat familiar with, but through new eyes, you know. And mm-hmm. so she's been that for me. And I appreciate it. Thank you. Very cool. And uh, I'd like to send a shout out to everybody who's been so supportive of uh, this new venture of mine. Uh, Geekitude is, you know, 12 episodes in and uh, definitely one of my favorite things about geeking out in 2015. And so uh, to all the all the guests that we've had this year, I, I, I'm shouting out to you and thank you so much. And thank you to you, Ray. I, I hope maybe this this can be, you know, I hope we have you on the show many, many more times between now and next year, but maybe, you know, our, our end of the year wrap-up can be just kind of a, a Ray and Joe thing. That sounds great. I'd love that. Very cool. Um, I don't have, uh, I have a couple of prospects for my guest next week, but I think next week is going to have to be kind of one of those uh, surprise unknown factors. It's going to be a su- surprise. I have a plan. I just haven't heard back from the person that I'm I'm waiting for. So we're looking forward to another episode next week. Um, I'm going to start renovations this week. So we're getting – I hear my, my husband vacuuming in the other room, so I have a feeling I need to <laughs> quickly jump from podcast to housework. Uh, and then tomorrow I'm actually podcasting uh, – I'm going to guest on Girls Gone Wow, which is a World of Warcraft podcast out of, uh, out of England. So, oh, congrats. Yeah, that's very that's very exciting. I'm a huge fan of theirs, so I'm going to be able to geek out about a video game with them. And, and so that's what I got coming up this week. How about you? Um, well, the vacation is over, which means I'm actually really geared up for uh, starting this year um, the right way. Uh, I've got a new job that I'm comfortable in now, and I'm going to be painting my butt off. Uh, the studio will be dialed. I'm really excited to have a place to to just you know keep making art in um mm-hmm. i mean that's huge for you know any artist and so yeah just uh focusing more and, and having a better idea of what it is i'm trying to do as opposed to just throwing stuff on the wall and see what sticks you know mm-hmm. um so that's yeah this this year is going to be a lot of focus awesome awesome well we're, we're looking forward to seeing what what you what you produce Thanks. All right. All the music in this episode is by Ben Sound and is being used under a Creative Commons license. You can find more music by Ben Sound at bensound.com. You can currently find us at geektitude.com. If you would like to contact me, you can send me an email at joehogan at geektitude.com. You can also follow the show on Twitter at geektitude or me personally at epicgrays. Uh, Ray, remind us where we can find you. RayVargas.com. Oh, I'm sorry. RayVargas3.com. Very good. And on all your all your social media and everything is RayVargas3, Everything correct? is backslash, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, it's uh, Twitter. It's all at backslash uh, RayVargas3. Perfect. 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 Well, thanks again, Ray, for, for closing out the year for us and, and launching us into 2016. And... Uh, And for all of you listening, remember this week and this year, remember, keep it geek. Bye.